Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome to Move Your Mind. My name is Nick Brax, and this is a podcast where we have real conversations with real people and give real advice. On today's episode, I want to welcome Nick and Femi, who are childhood best friend and are both experienced mental health clinicians and mental health nurses. They're on a mission to destigmatize mental health so that everyone has the opportunity to live life authentically and access help when needed. Nick and Femi, thank you so much for making the time to come and chat to me today. I was lucky enough to talk to you both, I think it was two weeks ago, and really enjoyed it. It was great to learn about what you're doing. So I am uh, glad to have you guys on here to have a chat to me about mental health. So yeah, thank you for both making the time. Man, thank you so much for having us, bro. Like it's, it's always an honor. And we, yeah, you're right. We had an amazing chat last, I think it was there yeah, last week or maybe the week before. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to this one today. I'm really looking forward to it. Appreciate it. Um, so before we go into it, I normally get the guest or, you know, in this case this is the first time I've had two guests on here. So however you guys want to do it, I mean, whether you want to collectively do a bit of a background or take turns, but just, I like to get the, the guest to just give a, an overview on, you know, not, I mean, we'll cover a lot of it. So just more for the, for the, for our audience listening, just a bit of a background on you guys and how you came together and, you know, got to doing what you're doing now. Yeah, for sure. For sure. For sure. So <clears throat> I'm Nick and my co-partner Femi is the other guy that's on the podcast as well. And we come from a background of psychiatric nursing, but you know, even before that, Femi and I, we've been friends for like since we we're five years old and we've had our little ups and downs. You know, we've had times where we were the bestest of mates. And then there was times where I'm like, I actually hate this guy to I hate this guy to death. <laughs> kind of thing. Pretty pretty um, common when you've known someone that long, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, exactly right. It was, it was bound to happen. It was bound jealousy to does that to someone, Nick. Uh, he doesn't want he doesn't want to tell you the story of why he hated my guts, but it's jealousy, and it's okay. It's so, we'll talk about that. It's so it's I want, so funny I want to hear that. I want to hear that later. And I was going to say, is was that there was that period of hate mutual? Did you know on the other side? Did you have any periods, or was it I just one way? I, I could I I would hate me too if I stole the girl I love. It's so funny. This is so funny, Nick. You did I can't even hear what you're saying. Thank God for the poor internet connection that's cutting him off because We're no one wants to, to hear that. <laughs> It'll be sure. edited out. No one wants to hear sure. that anyway. No one wants to Fair hear it enough, anyway, Nick. Nick. But that's not us, that's God. That's good at this point being like, I don't want to hear that because I'll go, I'll go into a lot more detail about that, you know, towards the end of the podcast, because it's just going to turn into an argument for 15 minutes because someone hasn't recovered yet. Hasn't gone through their own trauma healing. Who brought it up? Who brought it up? You, (laughs) you did. I didn't talk about the girl. I just said that we had our ups and downs. But anyways, uh, yeah, well, it's only one anyway, look, well, yeah, anyways. <laughs> it, it is a mental health podcast. So if we can make you guys fight enough, then we can make you resolve it and do a full, like full mental health process of like working through it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's, 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 legit, that's, legit. 
But um, without going into too much detail, yeah, there was a little situation, but we rekindled at about when we were like, what, 15 or something like that. And ever since, we've just been close friends since, you know, doing psychiatric nursing. We've got a business called Recharge Wellness, which is all about, you know, helping people that don't have access to mental health services, gain that professional support through a digital component. Um, and then on top of that, you know, we're just guys that like to just go out there and just, you know, explore, put ourselves in different situations. Like a couple of years ago, we did the Amazing Race. Then we did Family Feud last year. We've got a podcast. We just like to put ourselves out there and just have fun and not take ourselves too serious. So that's a little bit of background as to, you know, who we are and what we do. I don't know if there's anything I'm missing, Femi, but pretty sure I covered most parts of it. I think you nailed it, man. I think that we've just, we're just on a mission to try to destigmatize mental health and try to make these conversations quote unquote cool again, because it's like until we can have these conversations in a non-threatening way and really easy and have a laugh and be comfortable doing it, it's going to be this big taboo thing that everyone's got this massive fear associated with. So we're trying to do that in a little bit more of a lighthearted way. And that's what we're on, on here trying to promote. Oh, which I, I think is great. You know, I, I, lo- I love what you guys did. I think I resonated with it because it's very similar to, you know, what the way I'm going about it as well. And I think we need people like you guys out there trying to just normalize this. And, you know, it doesn't, it, it needs to be seen in that way of like, it's great that there's awareness, but then the next step is making it seen in a way of this is not, you know, something that we have to be so serious about. This is part of life. This is so- something that we're all going to deal with. We're all going to, you know, we all need to learn just like the same way as we know about exercise and other things. How can we just work through it, you know, in, in day-to-day life? Um, so I think it's really good. Um, what? So what was the initial catalyst for you guys wanting to uh, go down that path, I guess? Like for me, I know, you know, I had my own personal story and it drove me to it. Was there... Was there a turning point or was it just a gradual thing where you both became more and more interested in this area or is there sort of a story about how how that came about? Yeah, great question, man. I think for me, I had my own battles. Um, I think that I had, a, when I was probably just out, of, just out of high school, I think that's when it started to really click to me that I had issues, like issues that needed to be addressed um, because I had a few, in a pretty short period of time, I had a few people that, you know, were affected by mental health a couple of my friends committed suicide pretty back to back. And even at that time, I didn't really, really rec- recognize that that's what I was going through my own kind of struggles until a friend of mine kind of like explained what was going on and gave me a little bit more perspective. And from there, I started to learn and heal. So psychologists or counselors went on my own journey as well. And then I wanted to, you know, I was doing nursing at the time and I thought, okay, well, this makes sense. It's coinciding in the same time when I needed to, to decide which area of nursing I wanted to focus on. So I, then I went down the road of uh, psychiatric nursing and it became my passion because without having the right guidance, support and education around and having those conversations in a non-confrontational way, I probably would have still been in my downtime, in my in my hardest mm-hmm. time, still going through it, never really recovered. So I'm really grateful for that. So that's how I kind of like went into that into that journey. Um, and I can't speak for Nicholas to what his journey is, but that was that was my little story. Yeah. Thank for you sure, for, for sharing sure. that, mate. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, we've got a little bit of different kind of stories because I've come I come from a background, my whole family is like mental health nurses. Like my dad's been nursing, you know, before I was even born within the psychiatric space. My sister's a mental health nurse. So I was kind of exposed to it at a, at a very young age. And, you know, being the rebellious child, I was like, well, if you guys are all doing this, I don't want to be like you guys. I want to go do my own thing. So I tried doing like multiple different kind of courses and degrees. I did like 
business at one point, then I did health science at another point. We're doing PT at one point, just trying to find something that was a little bit different, like, you know, who I was, what's my identity when it comes to this. And, you know, going through that process of trying to figure out, figure things out, you know, I did have my own kind of battles with mental health that I wasn't purely aware of. I just thought that, oh, you, you know, people just don't get me, they don't understand me, it's okay, let me just isolate or let me do things to please people a lot more. And it wasn't until, you know, being exposed, fortunate for me to be exposed to people that, you know, at the end of the day, they will call me out on what they believe is the truth and what is real. And that, and that will force me to go into some form of introspection, which then allowed me to realize how fragile my mental health was and how kind of dramas, I mean, dramas that I had and traumas that I haven't healed from was actually manifested in my life. And at the back of that, you know, going through that own kind of personal journey myself, that's what kind of sparked my interest within the psychiatric space, did a few placements there to kind of get a feel for it. And I didn't even realize that was such simple but really heartfelt conversations that you could have such an impact on somebody's life. And that's what kind of initially drew me into being passionate about this and really kind of dedicating my whole life towards this cause. So that's kind of been the journey for me and what we're going to continue to do. Wow. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that as well. It's really, really powerful. And I think it's um, so cool that you've both had your own journey through this and, you know, been best friends for so long and been able to team up and, you know, I, I wish I had a best friend that I could team up to do this stuff with because it, it gets lonely doing it alone. I'm jealous of that. Um, but it is, it's really cool. But also, like, I mean, in both of the stories, I think it's like, um, you know, with having friends that committed suicide, I mean, it's so heavy, friends that committed suicide. And it's just, it it's something that people need to understand, you know, this happens and we need to talk about it and it helps. And, and in your story, like what you were saying there, I think it's such a good message as well with, um, you know, people do, especially now in this day and age, there's so many um, options and pressure on, you know, what am I going to do? Who am I going to be? And we get, you know, before we can have enough life experience, we expect to have all of the answers. And I think often by just trying and doing things and like what you said there, and I, I relate to that so much in my own journey, trying so many different things. I'm sure a lot of those skills have now come in handy with, you know, you guys doing your business around this and those business skills would you know, things come full circle and come in handy. So I think for, again, anyone listening, it's like being, when you feel like you're lost or you're, you know, you're not on the path you want to be on or you haven't found what you're really passionate about or things haven't clicked, it's reminding yourself that the learning that you, you know, going through day to day um, while trying to find it, that when you look back on it is eventually going to come in handy and, you know, be part of whatever that future thing you do is. So I think it's, um, yeah, anyway, really cool story from both of you um how how was the experience on on the amazing race when 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 were you guys on that yeah man we were on there 2019 we, we went um ridiculous like best thing we've ever done like it's just it's it's way more fun than what it looks like even on tv and it looks crazy <laughs> on tv so i yeah. i anyone that's thinking about doing it do it like it's the best thing you could possibly do is insane insane yeah amazing and and i guess it would have given you both more of a platform as well to talk about you know mental health awareness and do the work you're doing yeah it definitely did which was you know we we're very fortunate to be able to gain that opportunity and use this platform to be able to kind of speak about our passion um which i think is gonna be really impactful for a lot of people as well but it was funny because even during the amazing race as well, like a big part of the process is that you can't have any technology or anything whilst you're on there for like six weeks. So literally, as we're, when we're not racing, me and Femi are in a room, literally a hotel room, 
We have nothing to distract ourselves, just each other's presence for like six weeks. Um, And it was a very interesting time because what you start to realize is that, A, you know, technology is so distracting. It really stops you from being mindful and really living in the moment and being able to enjoy things. But two, it actually made me realize that I can live quite minimally, to be honest, like, because you're literally just living with a backpack, you're you're wearing the same clothes, you're just... It, it's just so funny, but it was just it was just a really good um, opportunity for us to be like, you know what, there's a lot of things that, you know, when you go back to the real world, quote unquote, that you realize that you need to kind of immerse yourself in, you need to start having all these things. But when you just separate yourself, even for a short period of time, it allows you to be able to kind of reflect and realize that a lot of the things that you're chasing, a lot of the things that you're doing, they're not even that significant. It's not even that important to you. And like, apart from all the fun, crazy things that we did, that was just like a massive learning that we had during the process which is yeah i've never heard someone talk about that part of it i mean i haven't spoken to many people from that have been on that show but um that's that's uh, yeah but that's a, a cool byproduct of it that it forced you to do that because like there's not that many situations like i can't think of any where you know you get put in a six-week period of not being on technology i mean i mean it's so rare now and we most most of us struggle to you know, not be checking the phone for like five minutes and it's just so addictive and so we're so conditioned to need all of that stimulation and it it is a a major, major issue because we're, you know, it's like this sort of, um, this bottomless pit that can never be fed enough. Like there's no end to it. It's crazy. Yeah, exactly. And just to piggyback off what Nick said as well, because even to this day, that's something that I think that, you know, I mean, I, I can speak for myself. I'm not too sure about Nick as well, but we've adopted it into our lives, right? In terms of, I'm in Melbourne. I only came here with like a small backpack. I'm here for four or five days. Like before doing the race, I felt like you just, you had this attachment to things. You had this attachment to like, so you need all of these things to be able to, to live and do and be. But in reality, you don't. And it's not just your phone and that you have attachment to. It's also just items and clothing and shoes and whatever it is and this attachment mm, to, mm. to stuff that gives you like i don't know what it, like maybe fulfillment or gives you you know your identity or whatever and i think that being able to separate that for such a, a period of time was so calming like it felt like it kind of felt like you know like when monks go on a retreat and then they just like have nothing to do but to just meditate it kind of felt like that like the massive reset to the soul and it's something that i've kind of like even still adopted to now. It's like, if I can do this for six weeks living with four shirts, I think I'll be okay for four days. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's crazy. No, but there's something something in it. I remember I watched, um, have you guys heard of The Minimalists or the seen that documentary? Um, I think it's called whatever, yeah, Minimalist or something like that. But when I watched that, yeah, I, I found that like so interesting. And um, I've started doing a bit of it myself. Like I... When I moved to um, Vancouver, I bought literally just one suitcase and a backpack and was able to, and I got rid of probably 90% of my stuff and put it in storage. And the weird thing is you end up, even with that, like to move your whole life with that much stuff, you don't even use it all. And it's like, and, and, and there's that psychology, like what you're talking about, where just having less, it sort of declutters you and makes you feel more free and frees your mind to be able to focus on other things, I guess. But it's like, I think it's, it's such a big thing yeah absolutely right i mean there's been there's been a lot of research that suggested that our environment especially when like it's messy or it's just clustered with things that you don't even use that it does contribute a lot to kind of our stress and anxiety because when we look at things we're like oh well, why is this there 
same thing with our phone. It's like when we're exposed yeah. to technology and our phones are there, we're, we're constantly waiting for like a notification or something to happen. So we're constantly living on a little bit of edge. We're like, oh, like, is someone going to message me now? Or maybe not now, let me put my phone back down. Or, you know, I sent this message or I posted this photo on Instagram. Obviously, that's going to turn into likes. So what we start to realize is that off the back of that, that we're developing a, such a strong sense of attachment and anxiety around all these things that we put around our environment. So that's why I just like with the clothes, for example, yeah. like when you kind of separate everything from yourself and your environment, just kind of clear. You can start to realize a bit be more mindful about the things that are in your environment, which inevitably will allow you to be more present, which will obviously allow you to then inevitably be, you know, have a have a better mental health, have a lot more recovery and all those kind of things in the process. So it's kind of mindful for anyone that's listening. If your environment is a bit messy or fussy, um, you know, even simple things like just removing things can make such a big difference. Yeah, makes a huge difference. And it is, it's just giving you removing distraction like just simplifying life because we we construct our life in the opposite way now where yeah like what you guys are saying people can't handle even having you know two minutes of nothing to do and I, like i i just observe like I'm, I'm not amazing myself and i've fallen in and out of it i try to do it but it's interesting observing other people like when you're watching how they're behaving when even if you're sitting like at a dinner with a group of people and you're all there to interact with each other, just watching around the table, people grabbing their phones and checking things. And, you know, there's this real, like, it's it, it, it's an addiction to it. It's, a, it's such a need for it. So it's like, it's a big problem. It's something we all need to <laughs> do, do whatever we can to try and improve. Absolutely. It's, it's like subconscious now at this point. It becomes a habit that we don't even realize that we do that we do it every, every, like every single minute, really. Like if you were to ask anyone, okay, don't touch your phone for 30 minutes. Like you're asking them a lot. And I was like, well, yep. that's a big stretch. I don't know if I can do that. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And we live in a, we live in a world where more is more, right? And we've constantly been trained that more, right? More phone time, more clothes, more everything, more, 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 more. And it kind of, dis- it, 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 it makes us detach from what we really and truly believe is important. So I think it's important for people to practice that mindfulness of, and even just mindfully not having your phone. It's going to affect so many aspects of your life, right? If you're able to just remove shit from your life, it's just going to be easier for you, right? Just remove it or try removing it or like putting boundaries associated with it because the beauty of life happens within boundaries. Exactly. Decluttering and and it has to be boundaries. And that goes for like, whether it's you know toxic people friendships that aren't working relationships whatever it is like decluttering and simplifying your life because that's why we get overwhelmed you know we how on earth like the, our brains aren't made to take in as much information as as you know we consume on a daily basis but it's it's insane but um the other point you made is is so relevant uh, i guess with how capitalistic the world is it's so hard to like uh not get caught up in losing track of what you really care about and what you want and uh because you know it becomes about how can i get more how can i you know compete with this person or achieve this and then often the you know we lose what we really care about so i think it's reversing that and looking at what's the actual value here what do i really value what's what 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 am i wanting what's my purpose rather than thinking what can i gain or how much can i um you know get out of this which uh, i mean I'm sure you guys have to deal with that a lot in the work you're doing and what you're looking at. That would probably be a common theme that comes up. 
Yeah, 100%. And even though for myself personally, like a lot of times I need to kind of slow down, give myself back and really just try to realign myself. Because it's so mm-hmm. easy, like you were saying, we're exposed to so much information, there's so much distraction, there's this, you know, we run the risk every time we go on social media of comparing ourselves, being like, oh, I've been in business now for five years and this person's only been doing it for one year and they're really bigger and doing much more better things than what I'm doing. Um, and we start to have that self-criticism about ourselves. So, you know, I think like what you were saying is really, really important in terms of like actually understanding your values and what kind of aligns with you. Because you start to realize that when you do kind of do some value setting, and I tend to do this quite frequently, where, you know, I realign myself with my values, what's important, you know, what are the top three things that, you know, fulfill me and really matter to me. And obviously those can change because we evolve as human beings. But it's really, really important to be able to have an understanding of what that is, because then it stops you from getting distracted or going off course or chasing things that don't really have any substance or significance in your life. So, like, for me, you know, understanding what your values are. Because if you ask a lot of people, most people don't even actually understand what their values are, like what's actually important to them. But it's funny because our values kind of shape our identity and then what we do and off the back of those values shape our habits and all those things that we do on a regular basis. So if they don't align, then that's where you're going to find that discrepancy. That's where you're going to find yourself, you know, going into different coping mechanisms that don't actually serve you or, or doing things just to get, uh, you know, a little sensation, but it's obviously temporary. So being able to kind of understand all those things is, is so, so essential. And I really love that point. And that's kind of why I wanted to hone on that. If, that, if anybody's listening, like ask yourself, like, you know, what are your values? What's important to you? You know, understand that you are going to go off course sometimes. But when you have that in, the frame, in front of you as a family reference, it gives it opportunity to realign. Yeah, absolutely. I love, yeah, love, love all the points you're saying there. And it is, it's like, I think we're taught in society often the opposite way to go about things. It's like, okay, go and find a career, make this work, you know, set these things up before we're taught to work out, hang on, who am I? What do I care about? What are my values? What are, you know, what's my actual purpose of what, how do I want to like serve the world? If you can work that stuff out, then, you know, you, you've got a pretty secure base to deal with all the ups and downs and uncertainty because there's always going to be uncertainty with everything. So it, it's about, you know, having that, you know, anchor within yourself, which we're just not taught a lot of the time. Uh, and, you know, it, it, it's hard. Like, do you guys find that hard? I know I do in, you know, I'm a competitive guy and in the work I'm doing, you know, it's it's about trying to help people and, you know, it, it's, it's in that mental health realm. But I still fluctuate between, you know, being overly ambitious and then having to think, hang on, you know, just calm down and remember why you're doing and what you're actually trying to achieve here and, you know, be and give yourself some credit for, you know, what, even if you've helped one person, you know, that's still something to be proud of. But it's it's tricky to you know, find that balance of like not getting caught up in just wanting to continually, you know, build and build and build and compete and, um, you know, find that happy medium, I guess. Do you, do you guys find that? Every single day, man. Every single <laughs> day. You know what I mean? Like it's, 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 it's the battle of self constantly because you're, it's like, and it's that battle between like, okay, well, why do I feel like I should that battle of like, why well, should, I should, I should, I should be doing this. I, you know what I mean? Like, why aren't I here? Like Nick was saying as well. And even your point about like, just constantly wanting to do better, right? And it's not like a bad thing. Like, it's, ambition isn't a bad thing. But I think that there's levels where it doesn't, it no longer serves us in a positive way that we need to be able to set. Again, those boundaries are wrong with it. But for me, definitely it's something that I struggle with. And it's something that I'm actually really struggling with at the moment, if I'm being completely honest about like that feeling of like, ah, shit, like, are we doing enough? Are we making mm-hmm. as much impact? 
what do we need to do to do more and do more and do more? And then also asking yourself, why do I, where's that driving from? Like, where, what's that driving from? Is it from me wanting to feel like I'm doing more or is it from actually wanting to impact more people? You know what I mean? Or is yeah. it both? Who knows? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. But it's, I guess it's like half the battle is, you know, like what you're saying there, just being aware of it and being able to admit to yourself that, you know, because most people don't do that, don't have that self-awareness or, you know, sit and think, hang on, you know, that's what I'm doing right now. Why am I doing that? Should I, is that helpful for me? Is there a way I could maybe reframe it? So I think like a lot of that, and this is what I've tried to get or starting to get better at doing with myself of realizing, okay, you know what? That's just how I'm conditioned. My mind's, you know, going on this tangent. It's doing that thing again. That's all right. You know, I can't help that. But what, 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 how can I reframe this and try and turn it into something more positive rather than, you know, beating myself up or getting frustrated that I can't, you know, um, achieve all the, the different things I want. And I think just simplifying things as well, you know, reminding yourself why did we do this in the first place? And, you know, like what you guys are doing, if you can help one person, you know, that's more than what a lot of people get to do in their whole life and really changing one person's life, which is a pretty cool thing. So again, reframing it to, you know, those values, I guess, um, but it's a tricky thing in the world we live in. Uh, so what, what, what is the, um, the core work that you guys do with um, Recharge Wellness? What's the sort of th- key things you guys focus on? Yeah, so for us, the, the core things that we do at the present is just focus on stress and anxiety. So what we do is we, we help adults that are you know, experiencing stress and anxiety in their life, which is so prevalent, especially off the back of this pandemic. Um, and all the things that are going on. And we connect them with mental health clinicians, such as ourselves, nurses and psychologists, to be able to provide counseling sessions to allow people to really develop appropriate coping skills and tools to be able to manage their symptoms. So we want to really prevent people from going to crisis point because where our background is, is more of like an inpatient clinical setting where we're seeing people that are at crisis point or people that are really acutely unwell. And we realized that this is kind of how recharge formed is that, you know, after experience of in the hospital, it's like, there's such an opportunity for people to be able to not get crisis point if they have the right support and skills in the community. So mm-hmm. we want to be able to connect people with actual clinical experts and clinical minds that are, you know, getting support in a non-clinical way, which will allow people to kind of engage and be able to develop these skills and tools so that we don't get there. So that's the ultimate goal that we're trying to do. And that's the mission that we're pushing now stress and anxiety then off the back of that you know we want to look at moving into different areas maybe depression postnatal depression men's mental health all these particular things because you know you know mental health is broad it's a spectrum of things so if we can intervene bit by bit by bit that's you know part of our role and what we want to do here at recharge absolutely yeah which i think that's so important and i mean i guess from what you saw in people that you know end up in an in inpatient program do you feel like a lot of that um, you know, would be prevented if there was more services that are preventative, like what you what you guys are doing and what you're talking about. Is uh, there's like that huge gap missing where people just don't know where to go, don't know what to do. They're not taught those skills of how to deal with stress and anxiety, uh, and it just gets to that boiling point where they explode. Like, I guess there's that big bridge there that needs to be filled. Definitely, like that's something that is. Um... A big passion because even when we work out even when we work in a clinical setting without the appropriate skills and tools without the appropriate support in the community 
it's going to get to crisis point, right? It's kind of like, it's kind of mm-hmm. like with, if you have diabetes, you can manage your diabetes or you can have your foot chopped off because, you know, it's gone so unmanageable, right? There's, there's a, but there's huge space in between that. So having the right kind of support and care to be able to fill that gap is going to prevent you having to get your leg chopped off, right? So that's the same thing with stress and anxiety is like if we have the right kind of interventions in a timely manner, you're much more likely to be able to manage these things, right? Like there is, there are strategies, there are tools to managing anxiety. It is, it is something that we can prevent. It is something that we can manage. It is something that can be, um, you know, addressed with mm-hmm. the appropriate kind of strategies in place at an early time because stress starts, stress can start really, really early on and it can be, you know, you don't need to have medication, but if it gets very chronic and it's unmanageable and it becomes to the point where we've, got, we've missed that window of opportunity then we need to get medication, then it escalates from there. It's like whether you don't need medication, but now you need something else. Now you need something else because we've, we're missing those windows of opportunity. So our aim and our goal is to be able to catch people in those windows of opportunity by first of all, giving them the awareness to be able to know, all right, I need to take a step giving them the um, understanding of and the knowledge to know, okay, what is that step? What does that step actually look like? Because it's not appropriate for everybody that's going through, diff- like everybody to just go into hospital. That's not appropriate. That can be really trauma. That can be traumatizing. So mm-hmm. understanding what is that step look like for people and giving them the skills to be able to address that, give them their own kind of like coping mechanisms, their own ways to be able to understand their thoughts, manage their thoughts, challenge their thoughts. All of these things are really, really effective to preventing anxiety, managing anxiety, and being able to recover from it and feel better. Because that's the big thing that we work on in the in the, in the hospital and across the mental health spectrum, is that this is a recovery-based model. It's not mm-hmm. palliative. It's recovery-based. So there is light at the end of the tunnel, and I want everybody to understand that regardless of what you're feeling, where you're at, there is hope and there is things that we can do to be able to address that uh, to help you feel better. So 100%, it is so, so so addressable and manageable yep yeah no i yeah love all the stuff you're saying with that and it's like you and you just you see it all the time like people just don't you know the analogy you said so accurate it's like it's like saying i'm gonna wait to go to the gym until i have a heart attack like you know it's there's simple things we can be doing every day that are gonna help us to prevent or deal with you know a situation that comes up rather than let it get out of control and we just haven't been taught this stuff in you know day-to-day life or in schooling or through you know society in in general so uh again it's so important what you guys are doing would would you say um from what you're both seeing um stress and anxiety are the biggest issues you're seeing in this mental health spectrum across the board at the moment or like what yeah what do you think is one of the biggest issues currently i mean biggest issues is 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 interesting um i think it's probably the most prevalent like stress mm-hmm. anxiety and depression are the most prevalent um i don't know i don't know if like biggest issues is 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 interesting i don't know if i would say the big issue. i probably meant more yeah yeah i meant more yeah what's more prevalent yeah yeah for sure i think it's definitely the most prevalent that we've seen um because even when we have people with you know, psychotic illnesses, a lot of the time that comes with stress and anxiety because you've got a psychotic illness. So like, it's just yeah. so across yeah. the board. Yeah. 
Exactly, yeah. It just links into so many different areas. Yeah, 100%. Like, like what you said, it's usually a byproduct. Like, we don't just start, you know, feeling anxious or stressed. Like, I guess the big thing is that anxiety and stress, these are normal. We are going to be exposed to this. I think sometimes we get a misconception of what, you know, chronic stress or what actually being really anxious is. And sometimes it's like, okay, well, I've got an exam coming up. I'm anxious. Oh my gosh, like things are doing, going really, really bad. But it's like, well, it makes sense that you're anxious. Like you've got an exam. A lot of things depend off the back of your results of this exam. So it makes a lot of sense. And sometimes sure. that anxiety is good because it motivates you and allows you to actually go out and give it your all in this exam. But it's only at a point, and the big thing that I want to frame is that when it's impacting the quality of your life, like in a nutshell where you can't go out, you can't do things, you know, you can't relax, you know, you, you can't, you know, spend time with them and the things that matter, then this is when it starts becoming a concern. And like Femi was saying, a lot of these things, like they do happen early on, but we tend to ignore those symptoms, which are going to allow us to then manifest into different things. Uh, but a lot more people are open about, you know, stress, anxiety, and depression. It's been more normalized within um in the space uh you know and that being said there's a lot of things that happen on early on that we need to be able to intervene so i think that we can hit it right there where people have awareness of these symptoms and understand okay maybe i need to to do something it might not be hospital mm-hmm. you know i might not even need to see a gp but maybe i need to enroll in like a program or something like that or do a course or watch a lecture i don't know what it is for you guys yeah. and that might allow us to kind of take that step yeah, definitely. And, and you know, just making people aware of what, what's out there, like what you're doing, you know, letting them know, well, here's the options that are available. There's, you know, this multitude of different areas you can look into to try and take that first step to work on, on you know, whatever problem it is that you're facing. Uh, ha, ha, through the work you're doing, how much have you seen, um, have you seen a big impact through uh, coronavirus and everything that happened? Did you see... You know, what was you, you, the experience you guys had with, with that and the work you're doing? Yeah, I think that coronavirus has had exponential impacts on people's mental health in a variety of ways, not just in a clinical setting. There's obviously in a clinical setting, people were isolated. Obviously, isolation is exacerbation for you know, anxiety, depression, all that kind of stuff. Um, from like them not being able to also get the medications and be lonely and not be able to access their normal support network, super, like that's one side of it. But it's also people that probably didn't realize that they were struggling are now sat with no opportunity for distraction, no opportunity for support. They live at home or they live in an abusive household. And it's, it's just become so apparent that they have no way to be able to manage it either. And it's really just like, it just exposes what's been there all along. Um, mm-hmm. So people are really starting to realizing, holy crap, my, the fragility of my mind is so apparent now. So I think it's good and bad, right? But two things, it's obviously good because now people are realizing the power and the necessity for mental health and realizing that at any point you can, you can use, I I can really be feeling that way. I'm not looking at, I'm not looking at John Smith down, down the street. That's feeling sad as being weak. Now I can realize, okay, well that could happen to me now. So that people mm-hmm. are really empathizing and realizing that I need to do something and be more proactive with their mental health, which is amazing. But it's also obviously problematic because people are now realizing that people are now also becoming unwell, you know? So that's obviously not great. So um, I think that coronavirus has had ex- exponential, um, you know, impacts on this space massively. For sure, for sure, yeah. And like you said, in both areas, and it's been great that it's 
started that conversation but there's going to be and you know the the effects and impacts that has happened are going to be ongoing for quite a while it's not going to just quickly go away so it's sort of a double-edged thing where it's fantastic that it has got people talking about it but like you said you know there's going to be a lot of uh ongoing issues that we need to we need as much you know support as possible to to deal with uh before i sort of finish up with these closing questions but before i go into that do you both have um any sort of um daily habits or things you guys do or that you can recommend to anyone listening that you know just simple simple daily things maybe maybe stuff that you guys do each day to maintain your own well-being that um that you can share practice mindfulness meditate and practice mindfulness like i can't just that enough if people with meditation isn't your thing you know, find another means of being mindful whatever there's so many different ways to be mindful you know there's active meditation there's active yeah you know, i mean there's so many different ways but really practice stillness um because you know allowing your mind to run rampant is always going to be problematic so i would always say try, try and practice mindfulness and really really practice connection as well there's my two things is value connection so i have a good support network you know and that could be you know friends family whatever it is professional support whatever it is but value connection and also practice mindfulness they they they're always going to benefit you love it yeah <clears throat> awesome for me i think the first one which is sounds so simple it's probably been said so many times but it doesn't mean that it's not impactful is number 1 exercise like exercise has literally like even when we went through the pandemic we realized that we, you know when the gyms and everything was shut down people were like oh crap what do i do um or i can't even go out for an hour it, it was so problematic but exercise is such an important routine to be establishing daily if you can because just that movement being able to kind of connect with yourself physically be able to get those release of those feel good chemicals and those hormones like serotonin serotonin orders and endorphins all these things they really set you up for a good day like even this morning i was feeling quite low and not bothered to do anything but i had to push myself to go to the gym and then when i went to the gym off the back of that you know i felt a lot more optimistic a lot more motivated had a lot more energy and now i'm feeling a lot better so for me exercise is been a routine that's been made all the difference the second thing that i'm starting to get back into again is mainly journaling and having journal prompts to kind of set my intention for the day So I had this thing called the five minute journal, which I had ages ago, but now I've stopped using it. But now I'm slowly getting back into it, which is so powerful in terms of actually allowing me to be able to set intentions each day. And the simple things that it asks you, which is really really powerful, was just a like you know, what are the three things that you're grateful for today? And that can be anything. So just having that moment of gratitude is really really powerful. Two, what are your intentions for today? And I think for me, this is the most powerful question because each day we don't we don't just go into a day thinking that we're going to do the same thing that we normally do because then each day it's not different. There's there's no meaning behind it. So when you're able to set a clear intention every single day and be like, yep, this is what's most important for me right now. This is what I want to do. Then it gives purpose to your day. So even if you feel like you know, for some of the clients that I speak to, that they they feel quite worthless, you know, not working, all these things are going bad for them at the mm-hmm. moment. There's still things within your control, and setting that intention and doing things within your control allows you, like I was saying, to live a more purposeful, purposeful life that will eventually get you to where you want to be. So that's powerful. And then just daily affirmations, which is like you know, I am this, I am that. Just setting those beliefs around yourself is is really, really motivating. So to me, I find that powerful. And the third thing as well, actually, I want to add is get to bed in time, have a good sleep routine. You know, get adequate sleep. 
because that's really, really powerful. O-rings. Get yourself an O-ring. Makes all the difference. Trust me. Yeah. Oh, you both got them? Trust you both got the rings? Me. Yeah. Trust me. <laughs> yeah, because I saw Femi was suffering. And I'm like, oh, man, like this guy's actually suffering whilst I'm here living good. So I'm like, let me bless you. This, let me bless you on your birthday. And now look at him. Now look at him go. <laughs> You're not fighting anymore. You know, the, the sleep, it, it helps with everything. <laughs> Don't I look so well Sometimes refreshed? You actually Sometimes do, Sometimes that's mate. the way as good. friends you need to... You need to intervene. Just like, don't tell them they've got an issue. Just be like, hey, try this out. See what it does for you. And, you know, now look. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> don't force it on him. Just, you know, ease it in. See how it goes. But, but you know what? Like, uh, yeah, sleep is so important. And it sound, it's, it's, I think a lot of these things that we should do for ourselves daily are, you know, simple things that we all know we should do but we get caught up in everything else and miss out on doing it and sleep is just you know profound how much difference it makes and to our mental clarity to you know from anxiety depression everything it's just it it, it is really really important and i think it can't be stressed enough for anyone listening all all the the all the daily things you both said i think are just so important so anyone listening um you know highly recommend you take all of those on board um so we finish up every episode with five questions i don't know how you guys want to do this either we can sort of maybe do one take turns answering the questions or um these are just sort of short answers that come to mind or you guys can decide i'll just i'll just ask them and whoever wants to answer them can um but the first one is uh what is your best childhood memory best childhood memory was going to wonderland I don't know if you, if anyone's not from Sydney, if you guys know what Wonderland is. So Wonderland was the original, was our only theme park in Sydney. And it was sick as a kid. Like, they had the massive drop. Anyway, long story short, right. I shut it down for safety issues probably. But anyway, um, <laughs> but it was the best. That was just amazing. This is before, and we had nothing else in Sydney. Like, it was only Wonderland and Luna Park. So, Luna Park is, was ass, so... Wonderland was the best. Um, but yeah, I remember we used to go there a lot and go to Jamboree as well. That was really Yeah, Jamboree, crazy. Crazy, crazy. Nice. For me, uh, I'm just trying to think. I know there's so many, but the first thing that pops in my mind was when I used to live in like Ashfield and we didn't have any cars or anything like that. So one of like my best childhood memories was that every time I finished school, my mom would be there to like, kind of pick me up, which is so weird because we don't do it anymore, which made me realize how like, how much I appreciated that, which was just literally yeah. like walking home, having like fun, kicking a ball as we got walking home. Like those things were really meaningful to me and something that we don't do now. So that's probably like my best childhood memory. Just those yeah. walks. I love that. Yeah. The simple things, you know, and that's the thing. We miss out on a lot of it now, but the simple things are, you know, that's what, that's the important part of life. All, all the like gray areas of life are the really meaningful parts. So all the simple things. Um, what do you think is the biggest current burden on mental health in society? Whew, what a question. Or oh, one of them. Yeah, one, one of the biggest, yeah. Burdens? What do, you, what, burden. what do you mean by burden? Well, it could be, you know, social media. It could be, um, what like, uh, any you know, a social issue that, you know, what's, what's one of the biggest issues affecting... Um, mental health across the board um i think for me off the top of my head that's a great question i think off the top of my head i would probably say 
kind of relevant to what I said is one of the most, the biggest priorities is connections. I feel yep. like we're so connected, but still so detached and so disconnected from people and real, real, real quality relationships. We have a lot of acquaintances and we know a lot of people, but we don't have deep, solid relationships with substance anymore. I think that like, that could be for a variety of reasons. But I think that because everything's so quick, everything's so instant, easy come, easy go. So I think that if we're having, uh, if we have more really solid relationships, it'd be more beneficial. Because I think that we see some people like, oh, my longest, I've like, my longest friends, I've known them for four weeks. You know what I mean? And like, oh, oh you know, all power too, but it's going to be hard to develop a really, really solid, real relationship if you're having a new best friend every four weeks, um, totally. then you have to catch them, catch them up with everything that's happened to, happened to you. Yeah, nice. Completely. Nice. For me, I think pressure and the pressure in a lot of different things in terms of pressure as to the, who it is that I'm meant to be, pressure from like your family, your friends, um, pressures that we put on ourselves, pressures that we gain from like looking at social media. I think that's having the biggest kind of impact or biggest burden, I would say. Because of a lot of these pressures that we take on ourselves that allow us to kind of form our own ideas, our own thoughts um, about who I'm meant to be, who I am. And when we don't actually live up to those pressures or those expectations of ourselves, then that's when I see people start to spiral, which is why the trauma is such an important element. You know, we speak to a lot of people and they say that, oh, a lot of the times I feel worthless or I don't love myself and all these kind of things is because when I was growing up, you know, my parents will put me to all these pressures, give me all these conditional labels that, you know, if you do this, then that's when you're worthy. But if you don't do this, then, yeah. you know, I don't love you anymore. So when we take on those pressures, and sometimes they come directly or indirectly, um, I think that's when we people start to spiral. No, oh, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, I think both both points there are, are so important. And I mean, it, I guess at the end of the day, we're behaving in certain ways or putting pressures on ourselves because we're trying to find love and connection and it's it, it it's often fueled from like what you're saying if we're not given that or we're taught that the way to get love or connection is by achieving or doing things or and then you're fueling you know it's a it's a big thing so anyway we could talk about probably that for a long time as well uh <laughs> do you guys see in general uh mental health in society um improving over the sort of next decade do you see things improving or do you think some things are going to get worse or a bit of both just I guess it's a big question, but more just as a short answer in general. Do you see where do you guys see things improving? Yeah, I think the future's bright, man. I think the future's really, really bright. And there's so many great companies that are thriving and coming out of this pandemic. And also yep. just like a lot of people are doing really, really cool stuff. People are more aware, people are more open to utilizing it, becoming more of a sexy topic, which is amazing, right? Because now people are like of course I go to a therapist. Of course I go to this and they're just willing to engage. Like, like there's even companies like, I don't like, I don't know if you guys have heard of like Amanda Johnson. Like, um, she's doing the crazy things. If you like, even like be a looper, like it's an amazing app that allows you to connect with other people and be within the loop and talk to them and connect with them, have that connection. There's so many great apps and stuff that just didn't exist. Not even 10 years ago, five years ago, three years ago, it just yeah. didn't exist. Right. And I think that like these stuff are really, really um, taken off. So I'm really, really excited for what's what's to come in the future. Yeah, yes, yeah, sir. for sure. Yes, sir. I agree with you, Fendi. I'm quite, yeah, I'm quite optimistic for the future. I think that not even just from like the companies that have been formed, but just for even from like a research perspective, 
we're starting yeah. to learn a lot more about mental health and what's happening. Like, I think that, you know, polybagel theory has been a new thing that just established a couple of years ago, but it's given us so much idea as to, you know, what happens in our nervous system, this third kind of ventral nerve is like, what is this responsible for? And it's actually answering a lot of questions that we have to do with our mental health. So, you know, a lot of that has given us a lot more understanding, which is more understanding allows for better treatment, better options, to be able to support people. So yeah, really, really optimistic. For sure. Uh, two more here. Um, what is your personal definition of happiness? Um, good question. We had this conversation <laughs> on our podcast a few weeks ago. Um, and I think that my definition of happiness is is ever changing, but I think the quickest and easiest way to say it is probably just alignment with self, alignment with myself, and alignment with you know what is intrinsically me. So I think that when I'm doing things that are me and true to myself and true to what I want, that's when I feel like I'm happier. And and ten million dollars, that is what. That'll, that'll help a little bit, you know, like, <laughs> we're not going to say no to it. <laughs> yeah, I know. Donate to my happiness fund. <laughs> exactly. Can the, Can the three, three of us create a mutual, mutual happiness fund? fund? We're, we just want 10 million. Anyone listening, yeah. you know, between the three of us, we're going to split it. 100%. Yeah, Actually, no, I'm taking I'll, half. You guys can split the other half. <laughs> yeah, I'll take I'll take forty five percent. Nick can take the last four five percent. He doesn't care about money. Money doesn't ma- money doesn't make you happy, Nick. So five percent. No, no, that's it. You're right. You're right. You're right. Smart guy. Ah, <laughs> oh, jeez. Um, yeah, great question. I think for me, happiness. Whew. Um, it's definitely an internal thing. It's that kind of like internal sense of fulfillment for myself, which is like broad in all different areas, such as like fulfillment with, you know, my purpose, fulfillment with the people that are around me. And I feel like once I'm able to kind of work in a more of an internal self thing, then to me, that's what ultimately happiness means. Because all these external things, like they don't really, like they help in the interim, but long-term it's, it's a self-job. So that's how I define happiness. For sure. Great, great answer. So final one, uh, what is the most courageous thing you've ever done? Probably, it comes to mind at the moment. I'm I'm sure I've done way more things. Like even starting this business was quite courageous. But at the moment, I'm going to say skydiving. You know, when I skydived off the Swiss Alps in Switzerland, this is a pretty courageous thing for me, to be honest. I almost buckled. I almost didn't do it. But then, like, you know, once you have no choice, once you're going up in that helicopter and you're ascending, it's like, oh, shit. It's, <laughs> it's an expensive no if you decide not to do it. So, exactly. Yeah, I think oh, that's man. the that's thing. Pretty terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, shit. Exactly. Like, besides, like, real stuff, like doing a business and all that kind of stuff, I think that um, the most courageous thing I did was, side note, I can't swim. So this is why it's courageous. I can't swim. I jumped off the top of a boat in the middle of the Mediterranean Ocean, Mediterranean Sea. Made no sense, but I did it just because I was like, you know what? That's lit. I'm not going to miss out on this fun and and let me, what am I going to do? What's the worst that could happen? I die? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's the worst that could happen. (laughs) But like, I did it and I survived. I'm here. So like, you know, and it was actually one of the best things I've done. It was actually so much fun. So much.
I uh, know uh, for sure they're both yeah I think like fear you know fear can be, can just drive so much of our, of our behavior so I think it's if we could continually you know prove to ourselves that we can overcome a lot of because a lot of the fear you know we're normally afraid of the actual thought of fear more so than the act of what whatever we're doing and I think it's a, a good thing to end on for anyone listening as well you know we can get caught up in all these thoughts but we just got to confront things and you know don't put your life in danger. Um, maybe don't jump into the ocean if you can't swim. But in general, you know, do things, <laughs> do things that uh, are important to you. You know that that, that your mind's holding you back from. Yeah, look, don't be me. Don't 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 be me. <laughs> <laughs> Aside from that, face your fears. But guys, thank you so much for making the time. Of yeah, enjoyed having another chat to you guys. I'm sure it's going to help all of our listeners hearing. You know, you, you both had some amazing points and I love all the work you're doing. So, yeah, thank you again for doing what you're doing and making the time to come and talk to me today. Thank you. Pleasure. Thanks so much for thank having you us so on much, the platform. Man. You're doing amazing stuff as well. We're, we're mega fans of your work and anything that we can do to support the cause, we will continue to do. So 100%. thank you for showing up. Thank you for doing you. And thank you for the guys listening to the podcast as well. I hope you guys found it insightful. Appreciate it. This episode of Move Your Mind was produced and edited by Tim Buzan. Thanks to Nick and Femi for joining me today for Move Your Mind. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Geeky Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.